And not everything in your business has to be done to your personal preference. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K and TIPS, T-I-P, S as in sugar to 33444 and you get instant access. All right, everyone. Today we have Laura Roder, who is a social media strategist and a speaker who has been named a top 100 entrepreneur under 30 multiple times. Um, she's also the CEO of Edgar, a social media scheduling and marketing automation app, which I love. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank- thanks for saying you love Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, it's been super useful, but I'm going to let you go ahead and explain kind of, well, we'll talk about the company in a second, but I'd love to hear a little more about your, your background and um, where, how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I started working for myself when I was, when I was pretty young, when I was 22, I, I quit my job to become a freelance web and print designer and developer. And, uh, when social media started to become a big deal in 2008, 2009, I was helping my web design clients use social media and get leads to their site with social media and all that kind of stuff. So I transitioned to social media consulting and from there I moved to social media training and now I'm in social media software. So I've been in the social media marketing space basically for as long as it's existed and kind of done every different business model you can within social media. Got it. Let's talk about that company you had, uh, or I think you still have today, um, mm-hmm. LKR Media. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's the that's the social media training arm. So LKR Social Media is focused on teaching small businesses how to use uh, Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media platforms as as marketing tools. And that was a big inspiration for Edgar because I think it can be really confusing in social media that line between marketing and just using social for fun. And because most of us do both, you know, I use social media as a a huge lead generation channel for my business, but I also use it to look at pictures of my friend's babies on Facebook, you know, Um, and those are all happening on, on the same site. So I think a lot of businesses make the mistake of using social media kind of as a casual user and then don't get any results for their business and don't really understand the difference between the two. Right. Okay. Now this transitions perfectly into Edgar. So can you, can you talk a little bit about Edgar? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll actually tell the story of how Edgar came to be. So in the training business, we have this program called Social Brilliant that teaches you basically an advanced content marketing strategy uh, for social media. So we teach you how to batch your social media updates, which means writing them in categories. So you write a whole bunch of updates, sending people to your blog, a whole bunch of promotional updates, maybe some inspirational quotes or words of wisdom or whatever applies to your business. And we were teaching people this really complicated method that we were using at our company where you make this giant spreadsheet and 
go through the rows of the spreadsheet one by one and load them into your social media scheduling tool. And we had been doing it and our customers were using the same methodology with the spreadsheet and it was getting really messy and really complicated. And I kind of thought, why why don't we have software <laughs> that does this already? Um, one of the things that really frustrated me about social media tools before Edgar is that most of the tools don't store your updates, which I found really odd. I thought, why am I storing my updates in the spreadsheet? I want to store them in my tool. It's 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 the same thing as if, if WordPress you know, sent out your blog posts but didn't store your blog posts so you can modify them and edit them and all that stuff. So I wanted a tool that had a library of all my social media updates, which Edgar does. And I also wanted a tool that would allow me to load up that library and the tool could cycle through it automatically, which is really that the big differentiator for Edgar is that you load up a library of all your old blog posts, all your old podcasts, all of your old content that's still evergreen and still good for social media. And then Edgar just cycles through it over and over again, top to bottom. Got it. Okay. Now, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, most people, you know, the, the term content marketing is getting bigger and bigger and it still mm-hmm. continues to trend up. And it just makes sense. If you're creating so much content, it makes sense to just schedule it and not just post a one-off because you're going to forget over time if you don't automate it, right? So that's where Edgar comes in. Exactly. It's a really valuable tool for content marketers because it's crazy to spend hours and weeks creating all these great podcasts and videos and blog posts and then just send them out once because every person who discovers you after that day is going to have a hard time finding that content. Right. Now, for Edgar, I mean, I know you have certain schedules um, that, you know, templates people can kind of just go into and start using immediately. But, you know, at, at what point does it become a little... When do you recommend kind of people clean out their social media calendar so they're not kind of repeating the same things or things that are out of date? Mm, that's a good question. So we have a post on our blog about performing a social media audit. So, so I would say you don't need to clean out your social media, but you do need to do an audit, which is basically making sure that your links are still working, that the content's still relevant. Uh, but a tool like Edgar that's repeating your content, obviously you only want to put things in that will stay evergreen to the best of your knowledge, you know, sometimes things happen where some, I don't know, maybe you had a bunch of inspirational quotes from Donald Trump, maybe you don't want to share them anymore. <laughs> um, stuff, stuff like that can definitely happen. So you, you don't need to start from scratch, but it is a good idea, you know, maybe every three to six months to kind of flip through your library make sure that everything is still representing your brand well. Maybe some things aren't so relevant anymore that you thought would stay evergreen, getting rid of those, adding in new content, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Now, does Edgar, I mean, is it meant to work in tandem with all the other social media tools out there? So, it, yeah, it can. Um, that's actually, I think, a common misconception about Edgar is that sometimes people will come to us and be like, oh, well, you guys don't track influencers on Twitter. And and that's really not the purpose of our tool. Edgar's really a content marketing tool. So it just kind of depends on how you use social. At our company, we actually only use Edgar. It meets all of our needs. Uh, but if you want a tool that does something, yeah, like makes lists on Twitter or tracks influencers or tracks brand mentions or allows you to do customer service through social media, you might use another tool as well. So a lot of our customers are using Edgar in conjunction with another tool yeah and, and just personal anecdote i mean myself you know using edgar i mean it's once you set it i mean you're i might look at it every month or so i might, I might do you know the the audit that you're talking mm-hmm. about but i also use it in conjunction with uh tools like buffer out there that i you know love as well i think it just works perfectly so i don't think it's you know they're they're mutually exclusive 
Yeah, definitely. You know, Buffer has uh, great, I love how they're integrated everywhere. You know, you can be right in, I use Pocket, for example, and you can mm. click the Buffer button right from there. So I know a lot of people maybe use Buffer uh, to help with some of their live content and then use Edgar to fill in their evergreen content is, I think, a pretty common usage. Totally. Okay. Um, so how about, you know, talk about some numbers. I mean, how are revenues and, you know, number of users looking today for you guys? So we've grown really fast. Uh, we launched just about, it's been about a year and a month now uh, since we launched. And we have, I'm actually, I've got our, our numbers pulled up in front of me right now. Um, we have 2,922 paying customers. So we have almost 3,000 users. Uh, we don't have a freemium model. So those are all real <laughs> paying customers. So it, the growth has been fantastic. Okay. That's yeah. I think the the launch strategy was really interesting. You know, I didn't know what Edgar was. I just saw this weird octopus, and for some reason, I just took out my credit card and I started paying for it. So, can you talk about your your launch strategy a little bit? That's exactly what we want people to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, we had a very interesting advantage for our launch because, as I mentioned, we already had this training business. So we already had a huge database built up of small businesses that were interested in social media marketing. So it's sort of, we have grown quickly, but we also have a super unfair advantage because we were able to parlay one business to the other. So we started out just by kind of dropping little teasers to that audience, telling them that software was coming, something new was coming. and it, it's it's been interesting with Edgar because I found that we really do fill a hole in the market. I mean, we created this because we were having a problem ourselves and we created a tool to solve it. And right now there aren't any other tools that does that does that do what Edgar does as far as repeating your content in a really intelligent way. So it's been sort of easy to launch uh, because once people understand what it does, and we're, that's the part we're still working on, it, I think we can do a little better job explaining that more succinctly and clearly. But once people understand what it does, it's just sort of a no-brainer for a lot of people. Why would I not have a tool that just makes sure that I have great content on social media all day without having to do anything, sending a lot more traffic back to my site? Right. Okay. That makes That makes total sense. Now, the... The launch sequence, I mean, the email launch sequence, I mean, how does that, can you dive a little deeper into that? Was it spread over a couple of months or how did that look? And how many emails was it? Just any details around that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's not super exciting about the launch, actually. We didn't do a huge launch even. Uh, we did do some more segmented strategies. So instead of having one one giant launch, it's it's launch day and making a huge to-do. We did a little bit of that, but we also wanted to test out different messages for different segments of our audience. Uh, so for example, in the LKR business, we had some people who had purchased products already. So we sent them a special email sequence with, you know, maybe a better offer for Edgar since they're a customer already, uh, or different messaging for people who had maybe been with us for a while but hadn't bought anything because maybe they're interested in software that does it for them, but they weren't so interested in training. So we did some experimentation with uh, different email messaging there. Got it. Okay. And what tool are you using for this email messaging? We use MailChimp, um, and we use Mandrel for transactional emails, and we've also been using Intercom a lot mm. lately for emails as well. Good tool. Good tool. Okay. 
now, so I mean, you, you know, it sounds like you've already had this base to build off of, and and so you, that kind of just transitioned you into the you know the first few hundred, or we can say the first few hundred customers, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, what's one unique thing that you're doing today to acquire customers? So, I'm trying to think what we're doing that's unique, uh, or it could be something that's just working really well. Yeah, because I'm like, well, there's not really only so many things you can do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we've come up with anything super new. Uh, we spend a lot on Facebook ads. That's something that's working really well. Uh, I love Facebook advertising. I love how targeted you can get. You know, we advertise to people who are using other social media tools. So the odds that they're interested in social media tools are, are really, really high. And one of our most successful campaigns has really been just messaging that basically says, here's a new social media tool. Because we found that people who are interested in the tools, like me, like if you showed me a message that said, here's a new tool, I would absolutely check it out because I'm really into social media marketing. And I think that's been an interesting lesson because I think sometimes you can really overthink these things. And I'm not saying that's the only message we use or the only message we'll use forever. But when people are looking for what you have, or if you're selling something that there are enthusiasts in that market, just telling them there's a new product they haven't heard of is actually really compelling. Right. It, you know, the, the problem that you solve is almost, you know, people that are fanatics about social media, it looks like a no brainer, right? So, I mean, that's why I took out my credit card to do it, um, <laughs> to buy it. So I, I think, you know, the, the fact that the product itself solves a major problem makes it a, really easy because a, a lot of the times when people are doing Facebook ads, they talk about, yeah, you know, you got to build up that retargeting list first and you right. go after that and you start building lookalikes. But then at the, you know, you're, you're saying you can target directly at people that are interested in similar tools and it's working out perfectly for you. It is working really well. And and I'm sure we'll do some more sophisticated things down the road because we're not doing uh, that typical send people to content and then they opt in and then you tell them about Edgar. We're just sending people. We don't even have a special page set up, which we really should. We just send people to the general Edgar homepage from Facebook ads. Uh, but again, that's been enough because we're saying, here's a new social media tool. And they're like, oh, cool, a new social media tool. And then the page explains what it is. You know, Keep it really simple. I love it. I love it. You know, one one interesting thing you you talked about with uh, Steve Chu was, um, and you know, this is another podcast that Laura was on um, talking about Edgar as well. But you talked about you know when you focus on user acquisition, you're not really looking at the full lifetime value of the customer. You're you're really looking at the first month, right? Can you kind of go into that? Yeah. So you know, this is my first staff business. So there's been a lot of interesting things for me to learn about the economics of SaaS and. I think a lot of people in a SaaS business, they get really excited about that lifetime value number. That's the number they're always looking at. What's the lifetime value? And because there's this theory like, okay, well, you can pay for a lead as long as it's lower than the lifetime value, the math's going to work out. The problem with that is it's called lifetime value as in it takes a lifetime to collect that much money. Mm, I like <laughs> so, that. Right. So, I mean, this is a problem even with funded companies, and and we're not a funded company, so we're playing with a lot less money than a company that is. But even in a funded company, it can really sink your company if you're thinking, okay, our lifetime value is $2,000, so if if we spend 1000 for a customer, that's cake, right? Oh, we made $1,000. But if you're spending 1000 this month and it takes you a lifetime, aka you know maybe years, to get that money back, then you have to have the cash flow to fill in in between. So I would really advise for SaaS businesses, don't get so obsessed with your LTV. 
you know, that's a number that you want to know for various purposes, but look at basically when can we recoup this money? Are we recouping it in the next month, in the next three months? I think three to six months is kind of a realistic time frame for most businesses, but then you really have to look at your cash flow. If you're spending money that you're not recouping for six months, you have to be able to make that up in your cash flow for the next six months. Got it. Yeah, I think that's super important. I think that's super valuable, especially for a lot of uh, startup founders that are listening to this. Um, it's not just about the LTV. You have to take you know these other three variables into consideration, or else you can you know burn all your cash and end up like a virtual, right? Yeah, you can run out. I mean, that is how people run out of money without kind of realizing it. Right. Okay. So you know, let's talk about the the decision to for you to not take venture funding. Yeah, so this is something I wrote a Medium post about recently With in light of the whole virtual debacle. Uh, it, that was such a fascinating story to me because it was a company that seemed to be going so well. And you think, how can a company that has 400 employees just fold overnight? It was so crazy. And it really made me think about the decisions that they made in taking funding. And I think when you take funding, there is an expectation to grow at any cost, to just focus on growth. Because of course, the whole idea once you take funding is that you need to have this massive exit. Otherwise, your investors can't make any money. And something that's been pointed out about virtual is that maybe they were going for a maybe software type growth model, but a human powered, they were a service business, right? They were basically a service business trying to grow like a software business. and. For Edgar, we thought a lot about, do we want to take money and go down that road? Because I've I've never done it. All my businesses have been bootstrapped. And for Edgar, I think it's really more accurate to call it self, self-funded self rather than bootstrapped because we had some money uh, from the profits of Delicate, our social media business that we used to start Edgar. Got it. And yeah, I, I just decided that I would rather just have full control over my business. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be under anyone's thumb. I wanted to be able to just do anything I wanted with the business. And the virtual thing really made me see that pressure there is to grow, 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 even if it's not going to make sense and it's going to run your business to the ground. Yep. I totally agree with that. I, I think the, I think the other thing is, I mean, First of all, I, I think it feels like you you definitely have a peace of mind um, just being able to operate based on all of your own decisions. And I think the other side takeaway is that you had an audience to begin with. So you spent mm-hmm. some time building an audience and then you had profits that you can kind of double down on uh, for your new business. And I mean, obviously, it, it feels liberating, right? That's the, that's what I'm getting from you. It, it feels very it feels very liberating. So I had uh, a baby this year. I took three months off from maternity leave where I wasn't looking at the business at all. And my husband is the CTO of our company. So actually now we're both working part-time so we can both do a lot of childcare as well. And I mean, I haven't ran that idea past any VCs, but I don't know if they'd be a huge fan of the founder and the CTO both working part-time indefinitely. You know, it's definitely not the normal, the normal path for a Silicon Valley company. And I love that we're able to prioritize our family in that way obviously the business is still growing great we're really able to do it our own way which is kind of the best thing you can ask for cool i love it um well let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about one big struggle you faced while growing edgar 
So it's funny to me, whenever someone asks me this question, I really have to think about it because I'm such an eternal optimist (laughs) that I really, I mean, I really do truly view everything as like, oh, that's a learning experience and and we learned from it and now we'll move on. So I actually have to rack my brain being like, what, what is a big failure that we've had? Um, I mean, we try out things that don't work all the time. I think, I think that's part of the reason I don't think in terms of this big failure, because every time we try a new marketing strategy or pricing strategy, a lot of them don't work. And I I think that's important to talk about because, well, one, you only hear about the successes. And two, I think it makes people too devastated if something doesn't work out. Um, Something that we're still trying to figure out, to be honest with you, is the best pricing model for Edgar because you don't bigger companies don't have more social media accounts which I think is sort of the most obvious way to price it is like you pay more for more accounts and you pay less for less accounts mm-hmm. but the weird thing about social media is MTV might have you know a Facebook page and a Twitter account for MTV they're not going to have hundreds or, or thousands of them it, it really depends on the business model uh, so most of our users are on the $49 a month plan and that's worked out really well experimenting with other pricing tiers at higher prices we haven't found that formula that works perfectly for us and and works for our users so that's been that's been a constant struggle trying to figure out those plans and I don't have the the perfect ending for that one. That's something we're still experimenting with. I think it would be interesting to go through kind of your process on like how you're solving that problem right now. So I guess, how are you kind of, you know, looking at other pricing models or, you know, looking for help around this right now? Yeah. So, so part of the active experiment and and something we're learning now is that our tool was really designed to work best for using it really for one brand or maybe two brands. Maybe if you're like a virtual assistant and you're using Edgar for your own stuff and and someone else's that'll work. And I, I mean on one account. So a problem that we've run into is we offer these higher plans with a lot of social accounts. So someone who is a social media manager, a virtual assistant, we'll put all of their clients' accounts on one Edgar account and it really slows down the software. Um, it just makes everything function slower, obviously, because you're loading like sometimes people have hundreds of schedules that they're trying to load on the schedule page. And it's just sort of an interesting example of how cross-discipline everything is. So, you know, you have the customer service aspect that people are like, oh, this is loading too slow. And then the person who's designing the schedule page, do they design it to show up for five schedules or do they design it to show up for 500 schedules? And it's just been this interesting lesson that you really have to have a clear point of view in who your product is for. So I think moving forward with Edgar, we'll find some other solutions where if you are managing multiple brands on Edgar, you'll have a better interface to do that. And that might affect the pricing model as well. And But the only way for us to figure that out, I don't know, maybe I could have figured it out in advance, but the way that we have figured it out is to just offer that, to say, okay, if you get a bunch of Edgar, a bunch of social accounts and put them on here, what happens? What are the challenges that people face? So you just have to look at those kind of experiments and see, okay, what's worked and what's not worked, and then keep tweaking as you go. Okay. So... That that actually brings up an interesting point. I mean, obviously, you know, you've had a ton of people using this for, you know, a year and a month mm-hmm. already. So, you know, what are some interesting stats you can share um, based on what you've seen in the app? 
Yeah, so we actually just published, um, I'm pulling it up now because I want to see the exact number. We just published a case study on our blog because something else that's cool about Edgar is we have a Facebook group that's really active with our users. Uh, it's called Edgar HQ if you what? want to look it up I didn't on know Facebook. That. I'm a customer. Well, <laughs> I'm I, just should, <laughs> oh, I was like, we should do a better job talking about it. <laughs> um, so someone recently just super casually posted on Edgar HQ, like just as a little side comment on another thread, he's like, oh yeah, Edgar has been working really well for me because in the past six months, I went from 700 Twitter followers to over 20,000 Twitter followers. Yeah, I know. We're like, that. that's amazing. Can we talk to you? Can, can we hear about how you did this? Um, so we published a whole case study on our blog. Uh, the company's called Wine Tracker. .co. So if you search for like winetracker.co, Edgar, uh, our blog post will come up. And he basically just went all in with Edgar. He talks about some of the little tricks that he did. Uh, like, for example, he put images on all of his tweets because tweets with images get a much higher click through, much higher retweet, much higher engagement. So he's like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to build images for everything. Uh, another interesting thing to me about how he used Edgar is that he really focused on on Twitter. So he hasn't had much traction with Facebook. He's kind of gone all in with one platform, which I've seen work really, really well for businesses. I think it can be hard when you're trying to be everywhere because your attention gets really fragmented. So instead of doing that, he said, okay, I'm going to build a huge Twitter following. I'm going to be really engaged with talking to people on Twitter and finding influencers to follow and all the different things that you do. And now that he has these 20,000 on Twitter, I'm, I can promise you that if he wants to focus on Facebook next, that's going to be a lot easier because a lot of those people will come over to Facebook and he'll be able to start his page with, you know, a few thousand people instead of zero. Uh, and it's just a, you know, what's funny about Edgar is there's no magic to it. If you're posting a lot more, you're just going to get much better results. You know, if you go from posting a link to your site once a day to posting a link to your site six times a day, you're going to get a lot more traffic to your site. And and that's what Edgar does for you. So we actually have a lot of stories of people saying, wow, my social traffic has doubled or quadrupled since I started using Edgar. And it's kind of like, well, of course it has. <laughs> you know, you're driving traffic back to your site all the time now. And you didn't before because there wasn't an easy way to do it. Interesting. So how long did the, I, I guess, you know, for this case study, how long did this the wine tracker guy take to you know, really set everything up um, and, and make everything just kind of go on autopilot? So it definitely takes takes some time to set up that initial uh, database. You know, what we always advise is you don't have to do it all at once because sometimes people get overwhelmed looking at Edgar thinking, oh, I have to put in, you know, hundreds or thousands of updates. Uh, but you really can do it piece by piece. So What's interesting is you're already spending time sending out updates on social media anyway. You might as well be saving them for later. That's kind of how I view it. So when people are like, oh, I don't have time for Edgar, it's like, well, you were going to send out your 50 updates or whatever this week anyway. Might as well just send them out with Edgar, and then Edgar automatically saves them for later too. So it doesn't have to take more time because you can do it You can do it gradually that way. Okay. Now – you know, just just for the audience, I mean, what is a what does a standard schedule look like? I know you guys have a lot of templates out there, but just at a high level, what does a, a an ideal schedule look like? We'll just yeah. That. yeah. 
So an ideal schedule has a good mix of different categories, which is another big problem I wanted to solve with Edgar that we haven't even talked about yet. So a big problem I was having with the existing tools is that if you want to do social media marketing well, you need to have a good mix of different types of content. So you don't want to have all just links to other people's blog posts. And you also don't want to have all links to your own blog posts. You certainly don't want to have all promotional content telling people to buy things. That doesn't go over very well on social media. Uh, And this goes back to really having a true social media marketing strategy instead of just using it casually, where you might just be sort of sending out random updates about your life. That's really not going to do well as business. So an ideal social media schedule, you want to have a really nice mix of links back to your own stuff, links to other people's stuff that's just useful and interesting, and some things that are a little more directly promotional. Like, And that might be just a call to action. So if you do a podcast, it might just be a tweet saying like, hey, subscribe in iTunes or um, you know, tell someone about the podcast. Or it might be something very promotional, like we're having a 20% off sale and you want to go to the site or even just like, did you know that we sell this product? That's something a lot of people miss on social media is if you have an e-commerce site, like just send out different tweets, profiling your different products. People don't know that they exist. So you want to have a nice, even mix of that different type of content and you want to send it out. I would say for most businesses, updating social media, minimum maybe three or four times a day, maximum. It really depends on your business. You can do a lot more than people think. If you're sending out updates like 20 times a day, covering different time zones and stuff like that, that's actually not a crazy amount. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I, I think what happened was I had a, I had one of my employees set up Edgar for me and I, I think it might've been too aggressive. So my, mm. my Twitter growth has like plateaued a little bit. So I might need to dial that back a little bit. Yeah, you definitely have to you you have to experiment and and play around and see how your accounts are looking. Actually, some interesting feedback we've gotten from customers is that people don't really log into Edgar that much. They they're kind of more looking at their own accounts to see how Edgar's doing. They're looking at the Twitter account, seeing what that mix looks like, seeing what it feels like going live, and it's little dials that you have to adjust. Right? Are you sending posts to your own links to your own blog too much, and people feel like that's all you send? Or are you not sending it enough uh, and now you're not driving any traffic to your site? Right. And, and also the engagement is really important as well. That's a big thing we preach at Edgar. Like Edgar does the grunt work for you so that you can spend your time engaging on social media instead of spending your time loading up status updates, which a robot or you know an octopus can do for you. So you you can't just set up Edgar and never check on your social accounts again. You know, you're not going to see great results that way. Let Edgar send out the updates and then you go into Twitter, chat with people, follow people, you know, participate in Twitter conversations is something that we've done a lot here at Edgar to grow our own following. Then you can spend your time on those kinds of activities. Okay. All right. So how did you, when did you decide it was the right time to move all in on Edgar, you know, to transition from a, from a training company to focus mm-hmm. more on Edgar? Honestly, the growth just went so well, it became really obvious because we weren't sure when we launched Edgar, we're like, is this going to be a side project that's going to take up a little bit of our time? You know, maybe this is going to be a huge failure and we're just going to go back to doing the training. Uh, but we've definitely gone all in on Edgar and 
again, we just, the customers were there and the numbers were there, you know, our monthly uh, reoccurring revenue is about 150 K a month. Now it just, it started out earning the other business relatively quickly and obviously reoccurring income, which is always great as a business owner. So it was a pretty easy decision. At what monthly recurring revenue number did you get to? I mean, at at what point were you just like, okay, we're at, you know, this point MRR, you know, it's time to go all in. Mm, it wasn't really so much about hitting the number. It was just the speed in which we hit those numbers. So we hit 30K within, you know, I think a few months of launching, um, which already felt substantial, wow. you know? So it, yeah, it was like, okay, well, if we're already at 30K, we're going to be doing a few million a year pretty quickly you know, just, just seeing the speed that this thing is growing. Awesome. Congratulations on the growth. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. So let's switch, let's switch it back to you. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Yeah. Um, build a team more quickly. I think I actually built a team faster than a lot of people do, but I think that's just how you multiply your success and, and multiply your growth. Most people, hang on to things themselves way too long. And I see growing a business as it's just been a continuous exercise of getting rid of myself, getting myself out of all the details of the business and bringing in experts that can do it better than I can and just can create a lot more activity. You know, there's just only so much, like we have this fantasy that somehow we're going to be able to do a lot more in the future. I I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. You know, if you picture your business now and five years from now, and it's still you doing everything five years from now, I don't really see how you're going to 10 X your business. There's just not like, you're not going to get that much more productive. You're not going to uncover the secret strategy that you hadn't discovered in reading the internet for the past 10 years that no one had told you about. I think these are sort of fantasies that business owners have. So the more quickly you can start to add those skills that other humans add and add the hours that other humans add too. There's just only so much you can do yourself. That's how you really ramp up a business. Yeah. I, I mean, people talk about, you know, you hear, if you can hire someone that can do something at 80% of the level you can do it at, yeah, I, it's it's time to do it, right? It's, I think we all tend to have this Superman syndrome or superwoman syndrome um, that we can do everything. So I guess the, the question for you now is, you know, people still, you know, a lot of people still suck at delegation. Um, mm. So are there any resources that you can recommend around just delegating better in general? Uh, yeah, there's a book that I really like called it has a horrible name. It's called Coaching for Improved Work Performance. <laughs> and it's by Ferdinand Foundries, which is a really awesome name. Um, it's a pretty old school book. And it's a really great book about managing people. And one of the best things that I learned from the book is to assume that people are doing their best. So he talks about how if you ask a manager why someone's not performing, they'll often say, uh, you know, they're lazy, they don't care, like they they just can't be bothered to do it right. And when you ask an employee why they're not performing, it's very rare that they're like, I just don't care. Sometimes they say that if it's a really bad work environment. But more often, it's like, well, it's because no matter what I do, my boss redoes it, or they have me use the stupid system, that's a huge waste of time. So I just quit using the system because it's not effective. And I see a better way to do it. 
um, assume that people are doing their best and listen to people about how the systems can be improved. You know, don't assume that you know everything. And also, you know, you referenced like, oh, if someone can do it 80% as well as you can, I think that's actually a bit of a negative mindset. And you don't want to think, oh, I guess someone else can do it 80% as well as me. You want to think, well, who can do it better than me? And and why do I think I'm so amazing, by the way? Like, why do we as business owners be like, clearly, I'm better than everyone else at everything, <laughs> you know? Right, right. It just, it seems a little, it seems a little unlikely to me. Um, There's lots of talented people in the world. And also remember, a lot of it isn't that you're so great at it. It's just your personal preference. And and not everything in your business has to be done to your personal preference. I like that. I like that. Okay. So Ferdinand, what's his last name? Foundries. I think it's F-O-U-N-D-R-I-E-S. Sounds like a British king. I don't know who he is, but he wrote a really great book. <laughs> okay, we'll drop that in the show notes. Um, what's one productivity hack you can share? Uh, just to be really deliberate with your time. I mean, it's nothing amazing. Uh, just deciding what you're going to do before you open up the laptop. I think it's so easy to just spend an hour just kind of like messing around, checking on this and that. Instead, before you sit down to work, be like, what am I going to work on? And then ask yourself, am I doing this? You know, so don't look at your email unless email processing is the task that you're doing. Don't let yourself sort of wander to another task. At our company, we're really big on single tasking, which is something that I'm, I'm definitely working on training myself to do, which is really difficult. It, just meaning single task, don't move on to the next project until you have actually finished. Because if you had to finish that before you were allowed to do anything else, you would get it done. You know, we see these projects that months later, we're like, well, we're still like waiting to finalize it. Or I kind of thought, you know, that I'd get this input from someone else or, or most often you just kind of don't feel like doing it and you just let it sit around. Well, if you weren't allowed to do anything else in your business until you had finished that one stupid task, you would get it done. So that's, that's sort of our focus as a company. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but it's something that we're all trying to get better at. Totally guilty of that. Totally have ADD. Yeah, <laughs> um, but this one book has been floating around, and I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, it comes highly recommended from so many circles, but it, it, the book is called The One Thing. So, I mean, this really helps you know people that have ADD like myself just really focus in on that one task that's going to have the biggest income, whether it's for the next day, the next week, the next month. Um, you know, it'll, it'll kind of get you locked in on that. So, highly recommended. Um, okay. Now, speaking of books, I mean, you, you just recommended that book from King Ferdinand, um, <laughs> but what's another book you'd recommend to everyone? Uh, I'm a big Vern Harnish fan. So his book is The Rockefeller Habits, and they recently reworked it as a book called Scaling Up. Uh, they also have great little one-day conferences. Uh, the organization is called Gazelles that does the conferences. If you Google Vern Harnish Gazelles, you'll find all this stuff. And it's just really kind of tried and true basics for running a company uh, because most of us have had no training on this, you know, unless you were somehow the like assistant to a CEO or something. I don't even know how you're supposed to learn these skills. But once you move from basically having that initial idea, getting some traction, then what you do every day is running and growing a company. And that's a difficult task. A lot of it is managing people, 
managing workflow, making sure that everything is being prioritized well, and uh, scaling up by Vern Harnish just has, it's just super practical. Like, here's the worksheets you use, here's how often to have these meetings, teaches you kind of the day to day tactics of running a business. Right. Great books. Um, and I, I mean, like you said, it, they're literally templates for you on how mm-hmm. to succeed. It's repeated over and over. And Vern Harnish, I mean, um, I've talked about this in other episodes, but I've always recommend, recommended uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. And he's actually the founder of that group. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, great recommendation. Totally appreciate that. But um, Laura, this has been great. What's the, what's the best way for people to find you online? Well, I'm on social media. <laughs> um, my personal Twitter is LKR, or you can find Edgar at Meet Edgar on Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, if you guys use any bit of social media, you have to get Edgar. It's again, it's it's a no brainer in my opinion, and I'll drop it in the show notes. So thanks again, Laura. Thanks, Eric. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick, Q-U-I-C-K, and tips, T-I-P, S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.